We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Today, we're previewing the Brewers as well as the NL Central with Andrew Snyder of the Cruising for a Bruising podcast, a, a, a Brewers pod. I just learned, Andrew, you live, you're born and raised in North Carolina, and you are a Brewers fan. Are you the only Brewers fan in North Carolina? I think I might be, um, but thankfully, the Brewers fans in Wisconsin and elsewhere have not been put off by my accent uh, talking to them about <laughs> Brewers ba- baseball with a Southern twang. I'm wearing a Carolina Mudcats hat right now, the the uh, single A affiliate of the Brewers, so you know, keeping keeping it local. And uh, my co-host is actually uh, lives in Dublin, and he's Irish. So we have yeah, that's the the weirdest accented Brewers podcast uh, <laughs> on the market right now. That's a nice niche to fall in. Just a weird accent Brewers pod. How the hell did your co-host growing up in Ireland become a Brewers fan? I'll I'll give Adam's backstory because it's much more interesting than mine. I'm just lifelong baseball fan, and, and here I am. But uh, so Adam. Uh, has ran uh, the fan-sided Milwaukee Bucks site uh, behind the Buck Pass for a long time. How he decided he was going to apply to be the site editor at that site was because he had a deep appreciation for Zaza Pachulia. Um, And I believe Zaza was a Buck at the time, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Ran the site, started the Win in Six podcast, which is also part of uh, the Blue Wire family with Jordan Tresky. Uh, Got to know and love Milwaukee uh, and Wisconsin. And during the 2021 playoffs, he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on board and be a Brewers fan. They lose to the Braves in the NLDS. And then before the 2022 season, we have this harebrained idea to start a Brewers (laughs) podcast. One 
through the eyes of a lifelong baseball fan and through the eyes of a new baseball fan. And we've been doing it for a year now and having the time of our lives. That's cool. 20, yeah, 2020 is when he fell in love with the Brewers, which is just yesterday. It always amazes me, people overseas, how they pick U.S. teams or vice versa. Like I, I have a I have a buddy, uh, one of my closest friends, is a huge Tottenham Spurs uh, EPL fan. And it's like, it always, he, and he's diehard, right? Like it's probably his number one team uh, out of any sports team. And that always just like amazes me because I grew up, the reason I'm a diehard Yankees fan is because my dad's a diehard Yankees fan. His dad was a diehard Yankees fan. It's like, that's just in the blood, right? Like you have no choice. It's just what you grow up with. There's a Yankees game on every single night or there's a Brewers game on every single night. So that, that always uh, fascinated me. People who have no connection to a city or a team or a sport or a franchise, all of a sudden they just pick it up. So much so that they're knowledgeable enough to have a podcast. It, it's pretty cool. So wanted to talk to you, obviously, to preview the Brewers and also preview the the Central, the NL Central Division. And it's cool this year because we got the balanced schedule. So the, the Yankees are going to play the Brewers. Everyone's on the schedule this year, so which is unlike any season in my lifetime. So so that's, that's just a fun wrinkle to this. But uh, I guess overall thoughts and opinions entering the year for you and the, and, and the crew. Yeah, they, they come into this season in an interesting spot because last year there were very high expectations after in 2021 you win 95 games. Uh, you have that disappointing uh, playoff series and you lose to the eventual World Series champions, but you come into 2022 thinking that you're going to win the Central again and uh, get back into the playoffs where I think it would have been the fifth straight year. And obviously uh, that didn't happen last year. They had the best 50-game start in franchise history. Uh, the Josh Hader trade happens when they have a lead in the NL Central, and then that sparks fan debate everywhere, whether or not, you know, cause, uh, correlation, uh, cause and effect, whatever it may be. From that point on, their season kind of tanked, and they uh, end up with 86 wins and, and miss the playoffs uh, just behind the Philadelphia Phillies, who, as we know, would go on right. to make the World Series. So I think expectations are a little different going into this year. There's tempered optimism. Uh Last year, another one of the debates was, uh, is the offense bad or is it merely average? And I think from like a metric standpoint, I think they were 11th in WRC plus or whatever it was last year. But functionally, it was uh, a lot of um, home runs or bust um, from from the lineup. It's not unique in the league. Correct. Uh, Modern baseball, right? That's that's why the shift rules are going away. We're hoping for more ground ball singles and stolen bases. But I think the real issue was last year, like the number one reason they did not live up to what they did in previous season is the the pitching wasn't as elite as it had been the year before. In 2021, I mean, you got a rotation led by Cor- Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, and Brandon Woodruff. I think they were three, uh, third in ERA in 2021, led the league in strikeouts. They were just dominant on the mound. And injuries to Woodruff, Peralta, uh, Adrian Hauser regressed. Uh, Eric Lauer had kind of trouble with the the home run ball, and then the trade of Hader, uh, the the guy that was supposed to be his like for like replacement, Taylor Rogers, did not work out well in Milwaukee, and the the pitching could not, or the offense could not overcome the pitching not being as elite as it was in previous seasons. So this year, you hope for good health on the mound. Corbin Burns, obviously, after some contentious uh, arbitration uh, hearings and. And comments, uh, Brandon Woodruff hoping to be healthy the entire season. Freddie Peralta returning and looking healthy. Uh, Eric Lauer still in the rotation. They signed Wade Miley to be the fifth starter. They've added some some depth in the rotation. So they expect that to figure itself out. 
And now the question is, will the changes in the lineup lead to more success there and more balance? Uh, Hunter Renfro's gone. Uh, Colton Wong's gone. Enter Jesse Winker, who they're buying low on, hoping that he can return to the form that he had as a Cincinnati Red. Really patient hitter, guy that gets on base, can hit for power when he's healthy. He's going to be the DH this year. And then some rookies like Garrett Mitchell, who uh, was called up at the end of the season to play center field, hoping that he can provide uh, a spark in the lineup, uh, a speed guy, um, profiles as a plus defender. And some other rookies like Bryce Rang, who just got announced today, he made the opening day roster. Uh, Sal Freelick and Joey Weimer, two outfielders that'll figure into the mix. So it's really about the pitching getting back to an elite level and then new additions to the lineup and some internal improvement from guys who struggled last year, really pushing this team closer to the level they were in 2021 and competing with the Cardinals for the top spot in the division because I think we we have a good sense that that's what the race is going to come down to. Yeah, I was looking at some of this stuff before we started recording. They were 16th in runs allowed per game last year. So it's just, you know, overall number of runs they give up, middle of the pack. This is just yep. not going to be good enough for for that team, as you outlined. I want to talk about the hater thing, though, because because that, I, I think, kind of surprised everyone. Not necessarily that he was traded, because I feel like that was a rumor for like three straight trade deadlines is that Josh Hader could get moved, and he's such a great weapon out of the bullpen that any team could find use for him. But the package they ended up trading him for, I think, was underwhelming, right? Like you got uh, Robert Gasser, who, I, minors, Donaldson LeMay, who they ended up waving and it ended up with the Rockies, Taylor Rogers and Esterly Ruiz, who ended up getting flipped. Ruiz got flipped in the deal for William Contreras, right? Like, so I was sort yep. of trying to connect the dots. On on this, I felt like you know the the always sunny gif of uh, of Charlie just like connecting the dots in the mailroom on how this worked out. But like, I'm sure everyone was pissed when the trade happened, and then the team kind of fell off, and and the bullpen, as you said, struggled after Hader left. Has there been any sort of like calming now that like they see how the dominoes have fall, fallen out, off uh, from that trade? And it's like you got Contreras from from Atlanta. I think that's the one uh, calming effect that is that has happened in the offseason i think there are still people that are are never gonna let go that 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 trade happened just because um now i've had this conversation with, with so many different people and so sure. many different perspectives um because the whether or not you believe had josh Hader been on this team uh they would have made the playoffs because he was struggling at the time he struggled for a little bit once he got to san diego and then he figured it out going into the playoffs but the fact of the matter is the season went off the rails from that standpoint. That being said, uh, I think fans are really excited about William Contreras. The catcher position was really tough offensively last year, um, and it was expected to be a position of strength. As Omar Narvaez had a great 2021 season, was an all-star, and then last year just offensively just fell off a cliff. Um, and now he's going to be, I guess, a, a catching tandem for the New York Mets uh, with uh uh, Nido, I believe, I guess is the, the other guy there. James McCann, no longer there. But uh, uh, yeah, I think Contreras uh, has could provide a, a much needed uh, offensive boost to the catcher position. So that's made people kind of do some revisionist history with the, the hater trade and, and be uh, less upset about it in hindsight. But I think at the time, uh, the return seemed a little light. And that that's kind of what uh, spark so much anger. I, I like Robert Gasser. I think he can be a middle of the rotation guy at some point. As we as we noted, pitching depth for the Brewers is something they look to improve in the offseason and, and something that they need going forward to avoid what happened uh, last year happening again. Uh, 
but yeah, that I mean, that's this is just going to be kind of the way it goes uh, for a small market team like Milwaukee and how they have to make these tough decisions or they choose to make these tough decisions, I'll say, because ownership in San Diego is showing that, you know what, if you want to spend money, you can spend yeah. money. Um, that, but that's neither here nor there. So, yeah, it's I think uh, I think there are some people that will will never forgive that trade and some people that uh, are turning the page and saying, well, we've got this guy here now behind the plate. Uh, we've got Robert Gasser. Hopefully we'll be in the rotation for the next decade or so. All right, let's turn the page. But there is that sour taste because, hey, you, you ended your streak of making the playoffs. And uh, it, they, the the ownership in the front office always likes to talk about bites at the apple. And that has now become sort of a, a, a term of derision uh, in <laughs> Brewers Twitter. Love it. I love just to hear the inside, like the things that fans get upset about because um, there's plenty of stuff that the Yankees, plenty of terms coming out of Brian Cashman's mouth that, that the Yankees get upset about. It's just interesting when they chose to do it because Hader was riding so high for so many seasons that you could have, I mean, at some point the packages being thrown around for, for Josh Hader were silly because ultimately, like, I don't think any reliever is really worth, you know, that right. much. Not that relievers are a dime a dozen, but if there's one position that is kind of expendable as relievers, just so how many guys come through the minors can throw 100 miles an hour that you can get elite stuff from, even if it isn't short you know, in a short span, it's a little bit of like rolling the dice, but we see bullpens being pieced together all around the league. So I never think that, you know, a guy like Hader, as good as he was, is going to return, you know, the biggest of hauls, but but what they got did seem a little underwhelming. And like you just said, maybe it sort of deflated the team in general, right? It's like he was clearly a, a leader on that staff. He, he had been uh, probably the number one factor other than Yelich when he had his you know MVP caliber seasons as to why the team was having so much success over the past five years. And then to let him go, I'm sure was a little deflating for that clubhouse. Uh, but speaking of Yelich, like what the hell happened to this guy? I understand the, the injuries like happened, but he was a top five offensive player in baseball uh, for two years. And then last year, uh, he was back on the field for 150 plus games and he was pretty average. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to describe uh, Yelich right now, and he really is an enigma at this point in his career. I think the the simple answer to what the difference is beyond the injury, because that's obviously a big factor, and if you're a different guy physically, that's going to impact your play uh, no matter who you are. But um, he hits the ball hard, but he hits it on the ground a lot, and that's something that has really taken away from the power and, you know, most notably the home runs from the seasons where he was winning the MVP and then coming a very, very close second to Cody Bellinger. I still think, uh, I, I'm never going to worry about a guy's contract. Like I just, I just don't care. So production versus what he's being paid doesn't, is never going to bother me. He, he earned that contract and you know what he's here in Milwaukee and just, yeah, appreciate him for the player that he still can be. He's a patient hitter. He's gonna get on base. Um, defensively, isn't is it what he used to be? Um, so I, I wonder if in the next few seasons, especially as this young uh, outfield group continues to progress throughout the the minor leagues, I wonder if he'll uh, move into a, more of a DH role. But he has he has played well in in spring training. So there's some optimism um, among Brewers fans that he can. Uh, not reach the levels he reached during his MVP peak because that that's probably never happening again. But can he find something closer to uh, maybe that 
2016 uh, season in Miami where he had an 859 OPS and hit 21 homers. If Christian Yelich did that this year, people are going to be throwing throwing parties uh, and and just be thrilled with with getting an, another season like that out of Yelich. Uh, he's been, you know, like I said in the spring, he's been hitting well. He's been hitting some opposite field homers, you know, hitting to all fields. Maybe the the shift rules uh, will help him sneak some if ground he hits ball, the ball singles. On the ground, yeah, if he's hitting the ball yeah. on the ground a lot, then that's true. But I mean, you mentioned his ground ball rate size so quickly, just looking up. So his big seasons were 18, 19, 51% ground ball rate in 18, 43% in 19. And I think that is when he hit 44 home runs in 2019. So so that that's down. But, I mean, he's always been a guy that hit the ball on the ground yeah. a lot. Yeah, it could be just a situation where the balls that he is hitting are hitting in the air just aren't going as far either. <laughs> like that, That's the thing that happens. Well, that's when I you mean, wonder, we, all know that's... That we all know the juice ball in, in 2018, 2019. Oh yeah, the, the trampoline baseballs. Um, yeah, if they bring those back, I'm feeling it's really optimistic about plenty of Yankees who hit 35 home runs, 30 home runs. Like Glaber Torres was a guy who who hit 30 home runs, and he hasn't shown that sort of power since then because of the ball. Yeah, so I mean that speaks to just I guess physically, is he capable of returning to a spot where he has that power potential? I mean, if your if your legs or your back are you know, not operating at a hundred percent. It's tough to to kind of get drive the ball like that. So uh, I guess we'll see what happens. The on base percentages are still good. I mean, uh, I think he led the team for qualified hitters in OBP last year, and uh, it's just been I don't want to say sad because you know he's still a uh, talented professional athlete uh, who's who's above average at his job, but to just see that drop off from just truly elite levels. I mean. 2018, 326, 402, 598 with 36 bombs, hits 44 bombs in 2019. Probably should have won that MVP over Bellinger if we're being honest with ourselves. And I come into that conversation with a little bit of bias there. But uh, that's, I think, every season for the rest of this contract, unless he has a stellar season or just like a truly fall off the table season, the question of spring training, well, at least like at least number five on the list, even if it's not the top one on the list, is going to be like, what kind of season are we going to get from Christian Yelich? And that's the downside to a team, a small market team like the Brewers, giving out a big contract to a player like that is that it has to work out or else it could submarine the team. And then the owner's just not going to, even though he can spend money, like like you said, the, the Padres are a prime example. They just keep offering everyone $300 million. <laughs> but it, Plenty of owners are not willing to do that other than for one guy. And baseball is not a sport where you can just spend money on one guy and win. And I think I think it's made them a little scared to to hand out big contracts again, because obviously, well, the one inning reliever conversation, they were never going to extend Hater. And I think extending him would have been foolish. So from that standpoint, uh, I totally understand the trade. I wanted to wait until the offseason, but that's neither here nor there. But we're getting to a point where it really doesn't seem like they're going to uh, sign Corbin Burns long term. So we're going to have a, an entire news cycle if they're struggling in the middle of the season about whether they're going to they're trade him at the deadline or if they you know keep him throughout the season. I think that trade's definitely coming next offseason. And to your point, it may have been handing out that one big deal and it aging the way it's aging might be what has uh, kept them from doing other kind of extensions. Um, I think there's still a chance. Brandon Woodruff gets extended. Maybe shortstop Willie Adamas, but 
the Padres comment. Uh, the, the Phillies and the Padres have kind of uh, put that uh, notion out of my mind that Willie Adamas will be extended because he probably saw what the going rate is for shortstops. And it's like, hey, if Dansby Swanton can get what he got in Chicago, m- you know, maybe I don't sign an extension. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a good jumping off point to to the rest of the division. The Cardinals are are poised to to win the division again. They kind of ran away with it last year, and I think I saw Zip's projections is also projecting them to win by by eight games this year. And you've got the Contreras rivalry, so so that could be something to look forward to all oh, season. Yeah. The, the 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 catcher battle. You happy that Yachty's finally retired? Are you a Yachty hater? Oh, always. Uh, <laughs> I've been a Yachty hater since before it was cool. Uh, which is, you know, it's irrational, but it's sports. So sports hates yeah, fines. Uh, you know, I hope ho- hope he has great things happen to him in his in his day to day life. But n- no success on the baseball field was what I was hoping for him. <laughs> the Cardinals are scary. Uh, I mean, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Need I say more? Uh, Lars Newbar, a guy who was just so likable at the World Baseball Classic, and I hated it um, because the pepper grinder celebration. You know, you, you just can't help but be endeared to things like that and now you know now i have to sports hate them uh their top prospect jordan walker made the the roster out of spring training i saw uh tyler o'neill in the outfield their lineup is just yeah they're looking for a bounce back from o'neill yeah absolutely uh i think he played for canada in the world baseball classic if i'm remembering that my worry for them or i guess my hope for them is that the starting pitching is where uh their weakest Miles Michaelis leading the rotation had a good year last year. Is there some regression there as he continues upward trajectory? They really need a big year out of Jack Flaherty, who has struggled with injuries and not been the same guy. Uh, Adam Wainwright in his age 41 season, I think. He keeps uh, going. St- it's amazing. He's still pitching. Still going out there. It's crazy. Uh, old friend for you, Jordan Montgomery uh, oh, yeah. in the middle of that rotation. Oh, yeah. That was a, that was a hell of a trade for the, <laughs> for the Yankees. Do you think... Uh, do you think he can replicate what he did in the second half with the Cardinals last year? He kind of, he kind of stabilized that rotation somehow. So, I mean, no one expected 
him to do what he did when he went over to St. Louis. He was not that pitcher for the Yankees. He was always, um, he always had like number three pitcher upside, but in reality, he was like a steady number four pitcher. And then he went to St. Louis and it was just a lot more forcing fastballs. <laughs> and it was just like, well, where is this coming from? And like, I don't know if that's the Cardinals pitching philosophy or, or what, whatever it was. I know the Yankees pitching philosophy has been a lot of two seam fastballs, a lot of sinkers, you know, change, change the eye level, go with off speed stuff. So he was just like a completely different pitcher between New York and St. Louis. So I'm not going to rule it out that he can sort of replicate what he did. I also think he was pissed off at the trade and uh, a motivated pissed off athlete is sometimes the best performing athlete yeah that's definitely fair um if their their whole game plan this year is going to be hoping that the offense outscores whatever they're starting pitching <laughs> has, has uh, delivered that day and then just get it to the seventh inning and let the nasty bullpen take over because you got guys with stuff in there Giovanni Gallegos Jordan Hicks and Ryan Helsley, just gas, 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 gas. But that's what I'm saying. It's like the Cardinals are a prime example. And to the Yankees and Brian Cashman's credit, they have built a strong bullpen for years. And a, a lot of people will just say, well, yeah, obviously you spent all that money on Aroldis Chapman. You spent all that money on Zach Britton. That's completely true. But they've had so many guys come through the Yankees system or that they've picked up off of waivers or, or a guy you didn't think would make an impact, but they acquired in a trade who has made a real impact out of the bullpen. And the Cardinals are the same way. I feel like every year they've got a couple of guys near the top of bullpen war. And the Cardinals have always been a strong you know, have had a strong relief pitching core. And so, yeah, that, that's definitely one thing that I think when you're just comparing it to like spending money on Hater, um, I think it might be a thing of the past. And that's the, uh, that's actually what the Brewers are kind of pivoting to for this season. Um, you've got Devin Williams to, to hold down the ninth inning, and then they're just took a lot of chances on, on guys that uh, have uh, electric stuff and see who pans out. Yeah. Javi Guerra, who they got from the Rays, Gus Varland, a Rule 5 pick from the Dodgers that just made the team uh, today. Uh, there's a very uh, heartwarming video of Craig Council letting him letting him know that he made it. Well, he yeah. just can't he can't stop cursing. It's so good. It's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, they're kind of doing the, the bullpen by committee, uh, test out a few different lottery tickets and see who pans out and give uh, Craig Council that flexibility to kind of mix and match guys. Bullpen by committee used to be disastrous when you thought you had to have this guy is your closer. This guy is your setup man. And and if you didn't have that, you didn't have a bullpen. And and that's just completely been flipped on its head the past really like 10 years, but especially the last five years with how teams have been able to manage pens. And now with the expanded playoffs, you have more of a runway to test things and see who's going to perform. And I know the, the Brewers only missed the playoffs by a game last year, but what did they win? 86 games last year and they, and they still missed the playoffs by a game. Yep. So it, it's like you don't have to win 96 games anymore to make the playoffs. It, it's just you, you have more room for error. The The Cubs are kind of uh, had an odd offseason. They made a lot of moves. Obviously, Dancy Swanson got a hell of a lot of money. Jameson Tyon, who was on the Yankees, Bellinger to a year. Then they added some, you know, some veterans. Uh, Trey Mancini's there. But then at the same time, I'm reading like, oh, Ian Happ's going to be on the trade block again this this uh, this July. So what the hell are the Cubs doing? Yeah, they had a, a weird is a good way to describe that offseason because you look at the moves they made in a vacuum 
and you say, okay, this team is a lot more competent than they were last year. There's just like professional guys at each spot on the roster. But what is that going to mean in the standings? Are you going to finish third with 78 wins instead of something in the lower 70s? That's that's what I don't know. Uh, the rotation is another question mark. Marcus Stroman and, and Tyon will be the like the two mainstays there. Kyle Hendricks still still going at it with with 86 mile an hour fastballs and and seeing what happens um eric hosmer is going to be their first baseman Jan gomes is going to be their catcher i think they'll have great defense stands with swanson uh i think he led shortstops and outs above average last year he did Um, he's an elite shortstop yeah nico horner moves to second who was a good defensive shortstop in his own right so they've got guys where you're like oh yeah he's pretty good uh saya suzuki who i think is hurt right now in right field uh good hitter like you said mancini Maybe third base is kind of a weaker spot. Uh, Christopher Morrell, Patrick Wisdom, whoever shakes out as the starter there. The bullpen, uh, definitely a question mark for them. Uh, old old friend for me, Brad Boxberger, will probably be their setup man. It felt like uh, Boxberger, who had good numbers last year, uh, like good service level numbers, it felt like he was uh, a train on the tracks with two loose wheels, and at any moment they were going to come off completely and uh, crash into the ravine. Uh, but so uh, the Cubs are are betting on that not being the case. But yeah, just uh, a very weird offseason, a very competent roster that's been improved from what they were running out there last year, but not someone that you think is really going to be uh, competing for the division, in my opinion. And, and that's I, always... I hope I'm right. <laughs> Yeah, well, that that's always. Um, are you a bigger Cubs or Cardinals hater, or does it vary depending on whoever's better that season? <laughs> so there's been a running bit on the podcast of me just absolutely ripping apart Cubs fans, uh, and, and that's just my shtick now. Uh, so I think if you listen to our podcast, you would think it's the Cubs, but I'm definitely a Cardinals hater. I mean, the best fans in baseball thing. No, miss me with that. Like I, I can't do it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so it's, it's always uh, interesting to get uh, because that Midwest, you know, baseball rivalry. Everyone for the longest time only talked about the Yankees and Red Sox as the rivalry, and then a little bit it was like the Dodgers Giants as the rivalry. But like the Midwest, you know, Cubs, Cardinals, and then the Brewers who have been good. I guess hating both of those cities and both of those teams has been an underrated thing throughout baseball. Well, now my answer s- yeah, might yeah. change next week because. Uh, so Adam and I are actually meeting in person for the first time. We're going to Chicago for opening. Nice. Or I'll be there for opening day. He's coming in on Saturday. So if I just get absolutely tormented with abuse from Cubs fans, it'll definitely be the Cubs. So we'll see. Have you been to Wrigley before? I have, uh, but just like wearing neutral clothes. I think I'm just going to go all out this week. Yeah. So <laughs> go for it. Wrigley, Wrigley's cool. I li- I liked. I- I've been to Wrigley once. It's, uh, it was definitely a fun experience. Um, I love the old ballparks. That's my favorite. Um, you know, there's so many new ballparks now that um, lack character, I guess. Uh, maybe in 50 years they'll have character, but <laughs> when they're six years old, they don't have much character in my mind. So that, that's one thing that I always like. The Reds and the Pirates. Um, so one thing I was talking about with uh, Josh Nelson from Sox Machine, White Sox podcast, is that with the balanced schedule, the White Sox are not going to have as much of an opportunity to beat up on the Tigers and the Royals. And when you're fighting in the AL Central, it seems very similar to the NL Central, where the most likely path to the playoffs is going to be winning the division. And when you don't have those 18 or 19 games against those bottom-feeding teams and you only have 13 games, that could be four or five fewer wins for you. 
So do you think that's going to be a factor this year, not playing the Reds and the Pirates as much? Or are the Reds and the Pirates better than people are giving them credit for? And they will will be a you know a stronger, not saying contender for the division, but they'll just be a harder out for for teams uh, at the top of the division. They are definitely as bad as everyone <laughs> thinks they are. Uh, I'm trying to think if I see a path to them uh, being better this year, and I really don't, especially not for the Reds. I know they've got uh, a prospect coming. Uh, soon that that will kind of change the fortunes there um but uh i'm not seeing it this year uh it's funny that i think it could be a factor i mean obviously getting to play against bad teams um is is it helps you in the standings and it helps you when the teams in especially for the wild card when like teams in the nl east are just beating each other up and you know, like the braves have to play the the phillies and the mets uh, all season and the Brewers get uh, last year the Pirates Reds Cubs who were all very very bad it's funny though the the moment that I think everyone will point to as the turning point uh, of the season last year was directly after the hater trade losing three in a row to Pittsburgh and two out of three to the Reds uh, and just the vibes were so bad at that point. Like we were getting on to do podcasts, just dreading having to talk about what we had just witnessed. So it, it could definitely be a factor. Uh, I will say that uh, I think Pittsburgh uh, would have an, the MVP on their roster if they only played the Brewers because O'Neill Cruz absolutely terrorized the Brewers last year. Uh, like, I think he had a he had a tough rookie rookie season. We'll call it a you know, or uh, these numbers are looking better than I anticipated. Uh, but against the Brewers, I think he had his highest OPS uh, against any team, uh, slightly above someone else. I was looking at this the other day and hit like a third of his homers against the Brewers. It's like, are, nice. what are Love you it. doing, man? But <laughs> like, why are you doing this to me? Uh, you know, they got they got Brian Reynolds. Uh, Mitch Keller leading the rotation. Why, I think why uh, they're keeping him, I, I just don't understand. They could have. Yeah, I, I expected him to be a Yankee for like months, and that, that just hasn't, hasn't happened. Uh, so the Brewers and the Cardinals have uh, had a big advantage last year, and that they got to play these teams right. so so often. But the, the Brewers just, in many cases, didn't take advantage of it. Uh, so, okay. like maybe well, that's, that's maybe that's probably why they missed the playoffs then. Yeah, maybe they're a play to the level of the competition team, and you know, having to play better teams will 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 uh, raise the level of their game. Iron sharpens iron, or whatever the phrase is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, should be interesting. It's going to be a fun season. I've been asking everybody this: What rule change are you most looking forward to this year? Uh, pitch clock. I I think it's it's gone well so far. Um, I mean, I love the the drawn out tension of a playoff game as much as anybody, but they play 162 baseball games. You know, sometimes we just don't need to see uh, uh, a reliever, a 35 year old reliever scratching his butt for 30 seconds before he delivers a pitch. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the pitch clock. I'm with you. And I think more baseball fans just need to admit that the game is too slow. (laughs) It's okay to admit that doesn't mean you don't like baseball. If anything, it means, no, you like baseball when there's action. It's a fun sport yeah. when there's action. And when there's no action, it's kind of a boring sport. So how about we just make it less boring and speed up the thing? I don't need and, to see a, a Tuesday against the Royals in July take 
three hours and 50 minutes. I just don't, I just don't need it. And I fully recognize that while I may love to sit at Wrigley Field for four hours drinking beer and and watching a slow baseball game, but I'm not necessarily representative of the public as a whole. And for baseball to continue to grow and get better and for people to be introduced to these, these stars like Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani, whoever it is, they need to be interested and not lose interest because of the game's moving too slow. So this is a move for necessarily the hardcore baseball fans. It's a move to, you know, just increase interest in the sport. And I think that's a good thing. I, I'll criticize Manfred or front offices or whoever whenever it's warranted. But I think I think this is going to be a change we look at and, and think, wow, that was a great decision. I completely agree. I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to see, uh, to say I'm all in on the shift because I've been swayed. People I've talked to who have said, no, the shift is going to be great. People have said, no, the shift is is not going to make the changes you think it is. And it's kind of just changing the rules. So like, I'm still you know, withholding judgment on the shift to see how that goes. But I think the pitch clock and anything that speeds up the game is definitely uh, for the better. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me to preview the, the division and also the Brewers. Good luck this season. And uh, maybe we'll have you back on when the Yankees and Brewers play. Yeah, Yankees and Brewers uh, World Series 2023. Um, Book it. Uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> thanks for having me. I uh, enjoyed it, and uh, good luck to you this season as well. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.